0: to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. The content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. And if all that isn't enough, Disney Plus even has originals like The Mandalorian, the first live action Star Wars series. So don't miss out. Go and sign up today and start streaming and tell them Hey sent you. What's going on ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of The Awakened Soul. I am your host CEO Hayes and right off the top if you want to follow us make sure you go and check, it, check us out at The Awakened Soul Pod or at Awaken Soul Pod just depending on what platform you're looking for us at. If you're looking for me personally you can follow me at CEO Hayes it's at H A I Z E. But on this week's episode, we got a supersized episode uh, planned for you this week. So there actually will not be an In the Mind of Hays segment, but fret not, if you do want to check one out, I did record one, but it will be exclusive to YouTube this week. So make sure you go and check out the Awakened Soul YouTube page if you want the In the Mind of Hays segment, where I go off about Harvey Weinstein and uh, some stuff with the coronavirus and the economic effects and all that good stuff there. But. Uh this week I'm really excited to bring you guys the interview that I have this week. I actually have Miss Kimville of the Black Free Thinkers podcast where we're going to be discussing everything from uh, how she got into podcasting um black our, our culture as a whole, the mental bondage that we sometimes keep ourselves in. How we got to that point, the importance of being a black free thinker and learning how to think for yourself, as well as like the responsibility that me and her feel that we have to changing the conversation and the narrative built around our culture, our people and the way we think. Uh, We also talk about how the presidential race will affect us and our community for the next four years or so and how we really don't kind of pay attention to politics when we need to which is something i've been kind of fussing at you guys for a while there um we 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 do also talk about people taking content that other podcasters have used and kind of repurposing them specifically more for her and how people have have used her content in times and how sometimes it's it's flattering but also sometimes you just gotta laugh at it um but i'm really excited to bring you guys this uh week's episode so without further ado we're gonna get into our intro on the other side of that it's gonna be me and kimville jumping right into it i'll see you guys there
1: the following is a breaks media podcast
0: Welcome to another episode of The Awakened Soul, and so I've been like on this stretch of having first-time guests, and this is somebody that I've really, really been looking forward to. Uh, I sent out a tweet randomly uh, into the into the universe, and luckily uh, she responded, and so we have Miss Kim Veal from the Black Free Thinkers, and I am really excited for what we have planned for you guys. But, uh, ma'am, I'm going to give give the floor to you. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing well. No complaints. Quarantine myself. I'm not getting no Corona. I'm not getting no old dudes. I'm not getting none of that stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're doing okay in this neck of the woods. What about yourself? I am doing, I'm doing okay.
0: I, uh I, I, you know, it's, it, the schools here just got canceled for the next three weeks. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see, like, how that works out with my kids being home for three weeks in a row. Uh, but, yeah, this Corona thing is shutting everything down.
1: Exactly. And it just works out perfectly for me because my doctor told me I can't really go out and play for two, three weeks. So it's good. Everybody has to stay in the house along with me. So I'm happy now.
0: <laughs> Everybody got to go to your your uh, your pace right now. Right, right, right. <laughs> Bad, no. What do what do you make like? I, I guess because we, even though it's not on our list to talk about, it, I, like this all this Corona mm-hmm. mess. Like, what do you make of it, and what what are kind of your thoughts on it? uh I, I I've like been listening to like some conspiracy theories on it, but regardless of all that, like just the fact that everything is shutting down the way that it is, it's just it, it's crazy. Like how how wild this is getting.
1: Exactly. You know, it it tells us a lot of things. It tells us how we are not prepared as a society. It shows us how we have a, 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 a cacistocracy in office. And what cacistocracy means is basically an inept, an unexperienced, you know, an unqualified government. And it's interesting because you have social safety nets in all of these modern, you know, um, countries here. However, the United States is the only, you know, um, Western country, the only Western country that basically doesn't have universal health care. So if this is not a case. To try to advance universal health care, I don't know what is. But it should also shine a light on this administration and how inept it really truly is. So what I would tell the people is, do what you do you know i know i was raised in a black home we washed our hands and we washed the rest of the body too keep doing that
0: <laughs> and that's really kind of what it boils down to is is being cleanly and and when you see somebody coughing go the other way if they're not covering their mouth like that that's something that bothered me anyway like with regardless of corona or anything else it's just like and i get it this this virus is very very aggressive so um, it's gonna do what it's gonna do, but I think it, at a time like this, this is where cleanliness needs to be at a, at an utmost. Clearly, um, but yeah,
1: exactly, yeah, exactly. Because you have other things that are running around out here, but you know what I find disturbing is the mass media and our mainstream media here in America how they're inciting a lot of fear. You mm. know, I was on Twitter earlier today. And there was this young woman that was talking about how she went to the grocery store and there was this couple sitting in the car and they called her over. And the older woman cracked the window just a little bit and told the young woman that she and her husband were seniors over 80 and that they were afraid to go in the store and asked the woman if she would be willing to go and buy their groceries. And the woman gave her a list of and the money. And the woman went and bought it and put it in a trunk, gave her her change and sent them on home. And, you know, I'm glad, th- you know, because that is our job to go and to help others, especially seniors, especially in a situation like this. However, some of this is being spurred because of erroneous information being, you know, shown on mainstream media, mm-hmm. but also when you have the president and the vice president who think they know more than the medical professionals. So it's a lot of confusion a lot of denial and i'm really afraid what's going to happen in this country if we do not do what we need to do to get this under control and yeah you're 100 and like the the way that
0: the media has like controlled the narrative on this is is for anyone who's not paying attention this should wake up some people because for it it was Corona was until it was in this country. It was presented on the media as this thing that it was fatal to almost anyone. As it started getting closer to us, then it became we started getting more of the details of the actual fatality rate and the fact that about eighty percent of people who got it didn't. It was it was very similar to the flu in it, and it ran its course and went on. Um, and the mainstream media controls everything that w- that we consume, and unless you do your research on it or look at some of these other outlets. You'll never know uh, some of the truth on this stuff. And that's why like platforms that like we have um, and and podcasting, that's why I look to that more than mainstream media to a sense, because I just don't trust it anymore. And it it sucks to feel like that, but I just don't trust anything I see on, on mainstream media.
1: You're correct. Your assessment is absolutely correct, because we've been sold propaganda since the very invention of newspapers, radio, you know, television, and all of that, and there's a, you know, specific narrative that they put out there, but again, it's for, for... to keep us in line Mm -hmm. and to control us. So it's very important to get some of your news from other sources. You know, I, I love Al Jazeera, and I was so hurt when they took Al Jazeera America off. But the thing is, I get a lot of news from them. I get some news from the BBC because they have some biases over there as well. But I like Alternet, Salon, and a number of other independent, in and, in and, and nonprofit news media channels that are out there. So you know you have to shop around and then you still even when you get the information from these different medias you still have to go out and do your due diligence and research some of the things that they're putting out there because you got to fact check the fact checkers sometimes.
0: that's that's a hundred percent true hundred percent true. Um, well, let's, let's get into our actual topics that we have today. I know we kind of hit people with Corona, but it's, it's, we needed to talk about it. Uh, if I didn't, people would have had questions, but I want to get into you uh, before we get into these other topics. And so listening to your podcast, you can tell a, you're passionate about it be like you seems like you have a you care about the information that's out there and and getting people the correct information now it's there it's up to them to disseminate it how they will and take it in how they will but I love the way that you actually present it so I want to ask you what keeps you passionate about podcasting because this game isn't really rewarding uh very early on or or for many of us at all it's really you have to be kind of be passionate about it so what keeps you passionate about it
1: All right. I started my podcast in 2011 and, you know, it's, it's it's been a rocky road, right? But what keeps me passionate about it is seeing what's happening out here in society and understanding that, you know, there are people out here that don't really truly understand what's happening. You know, James Baldwin used to say that white people were caught up in history that they do not know and they do not understand. And that's, not limited to white people that's limited to black people you know I'm still learning you know it's ever evolving you know I learned a lot from my mom but I look at people like my mother and my aunts and my nieces and nephews and, and being able to sit down and explain to them what's happening out here and allowing them to feed me and to show me and tell me about the things that happened in the past you know my family they were involved in the black power civil rights movement all of those things and being able to have them come and tell me what's happening, which allows me to make sense of what's happening now, which is what encouraged me to go out and read and read. I'm like a really, I'm a sponge. But what keeps me motivated is knowing that I am helping people. Every once in a while, having someone tag me on Facebook, you know, um, some of the people that are longtime listeners, one of them, they were talking about the documentary by Ava DuVernay, 13 or 13th, right? Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how if they had seen the documentary, that they would have understood it, but they truly really understood it because they had been listening to my podcast all of the these years. And I help things in context and to understand the full scope of what they were talking about in that documentary. So when I get feedback like that, that's what motivates me to keep going forward. You know, knowing I'm getting younger voices, younger people listening, you know, when I go speak on college campuses, you know, I usually end up in a classroom that, you know, that's majority African-American, black and brown. Right. And, you know, the way that I set the the mood, For the talk, you know, it's like, I don't like to lecture them. I like to allow them to ask me questions as I'm talking. So they're participating. I'm engaging them. And it's not a slow paced, boring conversation. It's fast paced because it's like, all right, you all got to keep me thinking, keep me thinking, keep me thinking. And that's just the passion me learning information and then me being able to share it with other people but along the way i also understood and felt that it was important to tell people if i didn't know all the information i don't know or if i was wrong to correct myself and 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 apologize for that and then going forward telling them this is what i believe now this is what i believed in the past and i believe that then because of this that any other to show them my growth because how can i expect someone to grow and to evolve if i'm not willing to admit that i'm fallible as well
0: Mm. that's that's powerful um and that that's that's very similar to what i do as well i look at this uh platform that i created as a way of like it, it Increasing my knowledge on things, but like displaying it for the world as well, so I love the answer you gave what tell me what's behind the name black free thinkers how'd you how'd you wind up on that name
1: well actually um the name Black Freethinkers actually came from someone else, and that was a whole entire different situation. But you know, I was doing the research on Black Freethinkers, Black Humanists, Black Nonbelievers, Black Atheists, Black, you know, etc., etc., Black Radical Thinkers of the day. And so you had people like Hubert Henry Harrison who was considered the Black Socrates. You had people like John G. Jackson. You had people like Asa Philip Randolph. You had people like Zora Neale Hurston, you know, and you Go back. You have Nella Larson. You have Claudia Jones. You have a number. These are Black free thinkers, Black atheists, Black agnostics, Black humanists. And you know, Bayard Rustin was a Quaker, but some people like to categorize him as a Black free thinker. I'm not quite sure, but I call him a Quaker with an open mind, right? Mm-hmm. And learning that history and and knowing that there were people, you know, who were stepping outside the box who didn't mind daring to be different who didn't mind using critical thinking skills and that's not to say that other people weren't using critical thinking skills but they were challenging the status quo they were willing to put themselves in their bodies and in their lives on the line to get the you know to get the, the information there and to get the idea across that we are indeed have a right to question things. We don't have to always follow the status quo and fall in line. So doing the research on all of those people and learning all of that history, learning what happened during the Harlem Renaissance, if you go back and you look at the Black Power Movement as well as the Civil Rights Movement, and especially the Black Lives Matter Movement, you have a lot of black freakers that have been paving the way. So, you know, as I grew more knowledgeable and 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 you know, expanded my my, you know, in, um, in, intelligence or expanding my knowledge base. I guess. That's the best way to put it. Though I became stronger and stronger in Black free thinkers and getting people to look at other folks. You know, we have more than Rosa Parks. We have more than Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement would not have happened without Daisy Bates and Fannie Lou Hamer and, and the women then and now who create these movements and, and basically keep these movements going. You know, they, they provide the resources, you know, they feed the people, they provide the funding, all of these things. And so it's just really important to understand that history and put it in context and get a better understanding of the players in the background, because if you're just focused on the people that are up front, you're missing a lot of important people and information because that person is not the one in the back making all the gears work.
0: That's true. That's true. And, and we get so sometimes uh, focused on what we can see that we don't look at things behind the scenes. So I, I feel that.
1: Excellent. And it's just it's a lot to learn, you know, and again, <laughs> because in a black community, religion whether it's Christianity or Islam or, you know, any other, you know, Jehovah Witnesses, just a number of them, that has been woven into the very tapestry of our history in this country. And, and to be able to learn about people beyond that, to be able to transcend the religious you know, component of it and looking to other people, other different, you know, thinkers and, and radicals and, 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 you know, the pioneers that came before us. I think that's extremely important for people to understand how the civil rights movement came into being, who were the real organizers behind the civil rights march and you know the march on washington you know you had to philip randalls who was a black atheist that was behind that Bayard rustin again he was a free thinker right you had james Baldwin, who i, I believe they consider as a free thinker um let me see here asa philip it, it, you know just the number of people but these were the ones that stood side by side with martin luther king jr so you know i brought up the civil rights. Spec- movement specifically because a christian community black christian community has taken that mantle upon themselves but the civil rights movement in and of itself was a people's movement it was a more people secular based movement but i like to say people's movement because i was corrected and so i want to make sure that you understand that i was corrected on that but there were a lot of people who were thinking outside the box living outside the box that came together to kind of transcend you know tradition in our communities to try to make life better for all of us
0: and what when you when you first started because you said you started this in 2011 and that um was still still fairly early on in like podcasting becoming mainstream what was the response when you first started podcasting and the content that you wanted to cover more than just the, the podcast itself
1: The response was, you know, it it took a little while, but there were some people that, you know, that were into it. I would say I have a cult following right now Mm -hmm. because because, you know, I challenge people to think and to get people to think outside the box. Right. And. What I'm not trying to do is convert people or to pull them out of their comfort zone. What I'm trying to do is provide a soft place to land and information because that information is power. And being able to have that information and go to a source and question that source and knowing that you have been empowered and emboldened because Now, you will know, when someone's trying to blow smoke up your butt, you know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm just trying to increase the base, trying to get the knowledge out there. You know, there were reasons why we haven't been on YouTube or anything, but I'm about to change a lot of things around. So I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, it was rough going. But what it did with me is that it built up my confidence, And as doing these shows built up my confidence, I was able to help build up other people's confidence as well. So I think that's very important, giving them the the knowledge so that they can go out and be confident and speak on these things and being able to, you know, provide links and articles and books. You know, I'm always talking about books. That is what I want them to do. I want them to go and read for themselves because, like I say, trust but verify. verify. i want to fact check what i'm saying to you as well right and i know i'm sending you down a rabbit hole i'm doing that on purpose because i know what you're going to find out when you go down that rabbit hole you're going to find out about what i'm talking about but you're going to find out about so so much more
0: Yeah, and that that's 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 what separates i i I have said a lot um in my podcast and journey how like i'm not interested in talking about the the um like the social media thing, or like the 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 reality TV shows and stuff like this. Like I want to challenge you to think. When people walk away from the awakening, so I want them to to look at something different. Or like you said, like go and research. I want to I want to spark your mind a little bit. And so I feel like content people focus the content on things like that is going to be evergreen and that's why people can pick it up and listen to your podcast anytime and really walk away and and learn something and that that's that's the that's the part that's not easy in this podcasting game is doing stuff that's that is going to keep you thinking because everyone doesn't want to everyone's not as open to hearing that until they do and then they start going down that rabbit hole that you mentioned of now they're questioning xyz now they're thinking about this and then I think that those pocket like it's you're feeding people in a way, and it's not that
1: exactly yeah
0: it's not just that surface level stuff, so um that's 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 awesome uh the the second question that I have on here for you is it's an odd one, um, and I'll get into like why I asked that, but it's what does the color yellow represent to you
1: all right, so <laughs> it's interesting um <laughs> you know yellow it represents sunlight, it represents spring, and as well as autumn, right? right. But, you know, coming from spring, it, 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 it represents children's laughter, it represents, you know, sitting on the front porch, listening to, you know, the cars go by with the drop tops playing, you know, out the aisle. Isley Brothers playing Frankie Beverly playing Earth, Wind & Fire. That is what yellow represents. It represents so much more, you know, and what's interesting about that is, you know, when I I saw the note there and when I was getting ready for the podcast and I was reading the notes, as soon as I read that question, Happy Feelings by, you know, Frankie Beverly and Mays came on. And so that yellow reminds me of Happy Feelings, you know. It's interesting because we lost my mom a year ago and so during her funeral, I was talking about the very last conversation that I had with her and you know she knew she was going and so she called all of her children to have you know those conversations that last conversation so it was it was an outpouring of love and encouragement and and letting us know that it would be okay but during that phone call I tell people that was the very best phone call I have ever had with anyone in my life but when, when when I had that phone call with her, all I could envision was me as a child running down the street, screaming, laughing and happy and playing and, you know, that innocence, that innocence that is taken and beaten out of you by life. But I felt enveloped by the sunshine, you know, I, you know, I felt. All of that, I felt my mom, I feel my mom's arms around me. That's what yellow represents to me. It just represents all of those things that made you happy as a child. Now, when it comes to the fall, here we go, transitioning out. But it's like wholesome. It's, you know, you can breathe easy. You know, you're getting ready to kind of go into the winter and kind of hibernate and all of that but autumn is my favorite season is seeing all of those beautiful colors and you know beautiful yellows and the gold and the orange and the red it just to me it just represents calmness in regards to the autumn and the fall so that is what yellow means to me
0: that is a extremely deep and personal answer and i want to thank you for uh thinking about a that question that long and then also sharing everything that you just (laughs) shared on that because that's that's what I wanted out of that question like the color yellow at least when you see it like it 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 thinks it makes you think about happiness it makes you think about all the things you listed spring like you can almost start feeling that 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 spring sun on you a little bit while you're outside and then that starts making me at least think about the smell of spring and just it's it's a it's a powerful color
1: Yes it is it's like you know you know one of the examples that I was going to give you about spring it's like when you know back in the day when we were able to go outside with our little tank tops on and feeling the warmth of the sun on our back sunbathing in our own way as we were enjoying life as we were coming back to life coming up out of that winter coming out of that hibernation so you know that is what yellow and spring means to me it means a new beginning it means happiness it means Means
0: joy means all of those things that's that's awesome and listeners i want to know how what uh, yellow makes you think about as well um but the last question i have on, on here for you before we get into like the top the actual topics is a, a surprise icebreaker question you ready for it go for it <laughs> so this one is um if you can have a dinner or a sit down with any three people living or dead who would it be and why why are you
1: picking those people hmm. Well you know just for me being you know I'm just going to be selfish I would love to sit my mother down I would love to sit my father down And I guess the third person probably would be Hubert Henry Harrison, because I have so much respect for that man. And just to have a nice dinner, a nice conversation, me being able to ask my parents questions, you you know, that I need answers to. You know, and, and Hubert Henry Harrison, just to have him there in my company, just to learn from him, to sit at his feet as well as the feet of my parents and let them feed into me. That is what I would want while enjoying good food and, you know, laughter and great conversation and, and being able to share, because it's more about the experience as opposed to the people there. But for me, I would look at that as a learning experience, but also, again, some nourishment as well as you know just some nurturing that i feel that i need still
0: okay that's that's a great answer i respect that um especially with what you the story you just shared with the color yellow so that's that's deep thank you for sharing that
1: yes sir you're welcome
0: Let's get into the topics for this week. And so I didn't I didn't take it easy. This is I don't know exactly where this conversation is going to go, but I feel like these are some great starting off points for some good uh, conversation. So the first one that I have on here is as a culture, we don't always realize the mental bondage that we keep ourselves in. Um, What do you just just that statement alone before we get into the next couple? Because they kind of all build off each other. When you when you think about how we kind of play a part in keeping ourselves in mental bondage, what do you think about that?
1: Well, in regards to us keeping ourselves in mental bondage, I look at that a number of different ways. You know, there are a lot of people out here who do not know the history because you have to remember they don't teach black history in school mm-hmm. For the most part, you know, with, ex- with the exception of the few people that they've chosen and, you know, one particular, you know, MLK, but they choose to talk about him because they can misconstrue his words, but they don't tell you about the history of how much they hated him, but they loved him when he could no longer speak for himself. Same thing with Muhammad Ali and a number of other people. Uh, you know, it's, it's knowledge that's not necessarily being shared. And sometimes that's why I point the finger, at, you know, public intellectuals and academics, because they put a lot of this information in books. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And I respect that. But they write these books for each other and then get upset because the books aren't selling in, in in mass like they would like. But the thing is, is that their colleagues, many of their colleagues, especially if they're, you know, um, you know, if they're if they just begun their career track, academic career track, they can't afford it adjunct faculty, they can't afford to buy these books, you know, and, but in addition to that, what they do is they leave out an entire group of people every day, Joe and Joette, right? And they need to be able to take this information and translate it, which is what I try to do with my show. I try to break that, break it down. I'll get these books, I'll read them and turn around and share the information out there. Now, in regards to the mental bondage that we are in, Mm that has been done on purpose it's been done by design we have been trained to respond in certain ways right so when you get people like us that go out here and start teaching these the history you know it raises some flags one of the very last things my mother told me was white people do not mind you knowing these things, but they do have a problem with you telling others about it and sharing that information. And that is very true. So, you know, when you go to college and you want to learn more about black history or African American studies, you have to pay to learn this information that we're giving out for free. So, you know, it's, it's like I tread very carefully when I say, that we're keeping ourselves in mental bondage because I don't believe that's something that's being done deliberately in general. However, what I will say that there are people, certain overseers, black, red, white, brown, whatever, that capitalize and benefit from us being ignorant of things that we need in order to be liberated and to move forward. I 100 percent agree with that.
0: I I, I, and I think like you said, you said that that's kind of been bred into us or or taught to us. And I think that we for so long that they try to keep information from us, for one, uh, for, for decades and decades, because if you can keep the black person ignorant to what's to what's really going on, then you you subjugate them. And that that was done purposely. And then when we do try to come out of that or we do organize and or start teaching each other things, um, it's it's just it's, it feels like it's always something. So I, I agree with you. There's there is is a degree that we play play into um, our own mental bondages, especially with certain people who just refuse to kind of wake up. But at the same time, it's like we we have to fight through generations of a trauma for one like the generational trauma in the black community is is real and it's one that we don't talk exactly. about enough i feel like we don't talk about that generational trauma um, because we suffer from forms of ptsd that are almost ingrained to us at a genetic level just because of everything that we've been through um and it, that it's hard it's, it, it really is hard and like yes we have platforms that we use stuff like this like people like me and you we do try to teach and we do try to change the conversation and change the tone of things but at the same time it's like I don't know it it, it becomes difficult because we've we gotten so used to a certain way of doing things that a lot of people to throw that offer to you know we have those people that are afraid to stand out because that 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 notice also brings a lot of negativity from the outside world, unfortunately. Because educated Negro is the most powerful thing I truly feel. <laughs> like it's, I and I hate to say it like that, but it, but it's true.
1: Hmm. If I may add on to that, you're absolutely correct, because they just released some studies within the last decade talking about, you know, genetically how a lot of the trauma has been passed down through the generations. And that also includes fear and other negative emotions that we may have. One example was Wilmington, North Carolina, the only coup d'etat that happened in this country. Right. Mm-hmm. So Wilmington, North Carolina was a prosperous black city. You know, they had white people that lived. there. There, But they were running, you know, the government, they were politicians, you know, really high positions. And what happened is the white people that weren't prospering as much or if at all, they went in and basically, you know, started killing the people. They say the river ran red with blood and many people drowned because they didn't know how to swim. And even to this day, when they go through the county records, they're finding deeds for land that belonged to black people, but the white people took and claimed as their own. And then also, you know, to me, this is one of the kickers that when this happened, how, you know, the white lynch mobs went and nailed notices to the church door and the white pastors would basically walk the mob around to the houses and the homes of the black people. And he would say, I know you're in there. Come on out. And so, you know, a lot of this is passed down. And I spoke with Christopher Everett, the director of that documentary, um, Wilmington on Fire, and he was talking about how there are a lot of black people that left Wilmington and here we go a few generations later and their children are like, no, we're not going back to North Carolina. We're not going to Wilmington. They don't necessarily know because we got to remember a lot of our elders. They didn't talk about these things because it was so traumatic. I mean, even my mom coming from Mississippi and what they went through there and what they had to deal with here in Chicago, Illinois, you know, they went through a lot they don't talk about a lot of these things but some of us we have fears but we don't understand where that fear come from Mm -hmm. but it was passed down
0: that is is, that's I, I I wish you could see me right now because that, that I'm doing the whole church head shake thing because you just you just <laughs> spoke a word.
1: <laughs> you just
0: spoke a word. Um and we've we've touched on it a little bit just naturally throughout the conversation but I'm going to just ask the question um so we can just talk about it a little bit more in depth. Like what responsibility do you feel like me, you, people like us uh that have f- platforms that are built around changing the conversation what responsibility do we have to help educate our brethren and help to uplift and motivate um our brothers and sisters as well
1: being consistent putting out good information have a listening ear You know, being available when you can, because, you know, one thing that I've learned is, you know, there are always going to be a couple of people out there who are going to feel as though they're entitled to you and your time. So you have to learn how to set boundaries. Mm. But, you know, the responsibility that I feel that I have, you know, regarding the platform that I've built is putting more information out there, encouraging people, showing them that I'm fallible. I make mistakes. I get things wrong. It's okay. I laugh at myself. It's okay for you to laugh at yourself. And, you know, I have people that will ask questions or, you know, say, Kim, have you read this book? Have you seen this documentary? And then taking that information and bringing it back but import more more most importantly is current news and what's happening and then taking them through the history as to how this came to be now earlier we were talking about universal health care how you know other civilized you know westernized country have social safety nets and in order to help people to understand where this came from you know I talk about the New Deal and FDR, and where all of that came from, and how even when they set up the social safety net, how it was designed to exclude Black and brown people. And I talk about the Dixiecrats and and how all of that came to be. So not only do I feel the responsibility to address modern current issues, but I think it's a resp- my responsibility to go back and take them to the beginning of that and show them what's happening. And even with what's happening now with them saying, no, they don't want these programs. They're trying to push all of the Um, You know, social safety net programs or entitlement programs off of the federal role and put them on the roles of the church and the church in and of itself does not have the infrastructure or the subject matter expertise needed to continue with these programs and to make them work successfully, which basically means they're going to be basically taken away. You know, it's just a matter of time. But, you know, I like to talk to, about that and explain that to people. And especially now, the way that white people are changing the narrative. And how they address white supremacy and racism in this country, you know, and some of them still define racism as one individual, like not liking another individual. And that's why, you know, we're out here and we're talking about institutional racism, systemic and structural racism. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing is the way that they talk about racism in Europe is much different than how they talk about racism in this country. So people, some of the white people in this country, especially the political elite, you know, the ruling class, they're changing, as you would um say, you know, a more sophisticated conversation around racism without calling it racism and finding a way to shut the conversations down. You know, I think it's important that I contrast that and show people okay, this is how they're talking about racism in France and this is what they did. This is how they're talking about racism in Germany and this is what they did. And I use those two as examples because not only in Germany, you know, they took away the rights of the biracial children, you know, the children of the Rhineland. And some of those children were killed in a not Nazi concentration camps, you know, that people don't talk about that because blacks were killed in the Holocaust. One of the things that happened in France is that a lot of the black children and residents or citizens of France, they had their birthright taken away as well. So they were no longer able to claim France as their, you know, country of origin. So I just try to, you know, make it all make sense to people. And I think that's part of my responsibility. And I, and I
0: 110% agree with that. I think that having the integrity in the message is one. Um, but you, you have to, and, and what we do in this, in this type of thing, like, I think for me, it's important that I keep pushing, like I, that I, I, I can't, oh, I get tired. I'm not even gonna act like I don't, but it's, an, it's mm-hmm. important to keep pushing trying to push that conversation forward and think of new ways to sometimes deliver the same information that I may have delivered before but everyone takes in things differently so like what I've noticed is that like I I can cover a topic and then maybe eight months later cover it kind of similarly but with a completely different uh, method or a completely different style of going at it and someone who listened to both episodes may get something completely different out of the second episode just because i decided to attack it maybe from a different way and being consistent being integral and um and never resting are the things that i look at most with with this platform that i'm trying to create is because i think those are the things that's going to separate and uh leave it to where people can get the most out of it
1: Exactly. And that's important. Congratulations. That's great. Appreciate that. Um, And I would encourage others to do the same thing. uh I would encourage others, you know, because, again, you know, when when you talk about these topics, you have to reinforce them. And so you may have to go, you know, take different routes as to get the message across. And then, you know, you may have one or two listeners that are like, we talked about that already. But you have to remember, you're not the only listener and that there are new people coming in. And even some of the people that have been listening for years, they may have missed that particular bit of information. But now when they hear it, you know, they can take Take it personally. Oh, yeah, that's what that's called. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I have the word. I have the language, you know, to explain what was happening to me. So, yes, you have to go in and you have to reinforce it. You have to find creative ways to put that out there to encourage people. And, you know, again, that's 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 the object to encourage people to to, you know, encourage them to use critical thinking to encourage them to empower and embolden themselves with information because there is nothing worse than being in a conversation with someone and you make a point and they tell you that your point is invalid and you're angry and upset because you know that's not quite right and you know that you were on point but you don't have the information to reinforce what you're you know putting out there I'll give you an example you know Pete Buttigieg What I describe Pete Buttigieg as, I describe him as white mediocrity, said with great confidence. And Pete Buttigieg's attitude in that regard is symbolic of what I've dealt with with white people in corporate America and academia and all of that. You know, the majority of them are mediocre. Mediocre. At best, mediocre, but they say it with great confidence. And what gives them that great confidence is the fact that they are hedging their bets that you don't know the answer, that you're not going to challenge them. So they are hedging their bets that they know more than you, and you're not going to be able to challenge them, put a full challenge to them. And that is how they win. And so that's why this information is coming forth. And I put that out there because I want you to win. I want you to be able to go toe to toe and, and be able to stand up for yourself and teach others around. You I always want people to pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that,
0: that's something that and, and it may be, it may have been different uh, for you when you started podcasting. Something I, that I found is like a lot of people in this, like kind of withhold information because sometimes I don't know if they feel like it's going to challenge their spot. And when you say pay it forward, like, something that's been very important to me is is collabing with other podcasters for one but like sharing information sharing resources um and i don't know i feel like we all need to help each other like as much as we want to we want to help each other with giving information for it sometimes you know you have to put other people in a position if you if you have that ability to do it um and we just the crab in the bucket mentality is something that i I hate that I hate and I hate that that's such a big part of our culture sometimes
1: exactly you know but the thing is is that what I want to say to you is who created the barrel who created the bucket and why did they throw us in it
0: Mm. who
1: benefits from that yeah
0: the white people benefit from that
1: exactly yeah so you know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know it's like You know sometimes it's not that they're Trying to pull you down It's that, that they're trying to get the hell up out of there Just like you, you know? <laughs> so, That is a fact
0: That is an absolute fact
1: <laughs> <laughs> So I guess it just it's A matter of perspective You know I'm saying this today And tomorrow I may be ready to set that barrel On fire so it just really depends On when you catch me <laughs> How I answer that question So and then you know and again and context, context, context. For sure. Yes. But yeah, but no, I'm going to go on a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah, what you were talking about in regards to resources, that is important. That's why, you mm-hmm. know, I post what I post on my page and I put it on the Black Free Thinkers page and the People of Color Beyond Faith page. And my page is open. So, you know, I tell people, you don't have to friend me to see what's on my page. Everything is open. You know, my personal stuff is just that personal and it won't be there. So, you know, (laughs) know, So, but, um, you know, sharing that knowledge, you know, encouraging people to read books, all of those things, you know, I've had people call me an intellectual snob, right? And call me what the hell ever you want to call me, but I'm making you think. And for some people, they don't want to do that. So if you don't want to think, then why are you talking to me? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's like, you know, I just don't understand. So, you know, it is what it is. And like I said, some people, you kind of have to break it down for them. And, you know, and and again, I challenge them to go and do the research because like I say, trust but verify. That's very important
0: yeah yeah that, i i heard that saying once before and it's been something that's stuck with me since because that, that once you hear it, trust but verify it just it makes everything make sense because i can trust everything you have to say but i gotta i gotta see it for myself too and uh, we we all should feel that way because what's the harm in it we i i live in a world now where i feel like almost everything and everyone has some type of agenda whether it's positive agenda or a negative agenda so i gotta get behind it myself sometimes so exactly yeah yeah. So the last, the last thing that I have for you on on the top, well, we got it. We got another topic that's separate from this, but in this kind of realm. The presidential race, and it's something that I've been talking about literally for probably the better part of about six months. I've been saying watch how they're going to try to use the black community in this presidential race. Just watch it. And it's becoming more and more evident that they're going to be focusing on the black vote, which always happens in every election. But how do you think that this presidential race will ultimately affect the black community for the next four years after after the the president's elected?
1: All right. So before Trump was elected, you know, a few weeks before he won the general election, I stated that he was going to win. Mm -hmm. And I also stated that he was going to win a second term. And I still stand on that because the Democratic Party, I'm not sure what's going on. I do know what's going on with them, but they need new blood. You know, and and in regards to black people and the black community, basically they take us for granted. But, you know, again, taking them back through history and showing them about the Democrats and the Dixiecrats and what they stood for and racism, especially the Jim Crow South and the role that the Democrats had in that and how all of that changed with the New Deal, because basically black and brown people were being promised You know, to be able to participate and benefit from the social safety net programs while not understanding that it went from being a federal program and it's still a federal program, but they've pushed the funds to the states. So then the states are able to administer that money and they're able to discriminate and that was done purposefully and especially in the south that is the only way the new deal passed is because he had to make a compromise with the dixiecrat slash democrats right Mm -hmm. so what's happening now in in america this whole situation that we're dealing with with this particular election cycle you know i i've been enraged for years you know i used to be a black republican And I walked away from that. I consider myself an independent. However, I've, you know, I've voted for, you know, a number of Democratic um, candidates. Right. But what's going to happen to us in the next four years, this is my opinion. (laughs) Whether it's Trump in office or Joe Biden, I believe that we are in trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. The black community is in a lot of trouble. We've been backed up against the wall because again, the democratic party has not followed through with many of the promises that they've made and many of the gains that we made in this country, while we may have made four steps forward, trust and believe we took 20 steps back. It's just that not enough people were paying attention and recognizing it and you know, is Do I really want to go into the politics of this? Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, the gains that we made with the black power movement, the civil rights movement, that particular generation there, the baby boomers, they received, you know, um, in many cases, free education, free programs to help them, you know, just different things to help them build up some equity whether it's you know educational equity or financial equity or what have you but what was expected was that they would turn around and pay that forward to the next generations right so i guess that would be generation x and the millennials and the gen zers right but they didn't do that and this is what we have now and so in the next 4 years I believe that it's going to be a lot harder because, you know, again, Donald Trump is in office. He's made racism okay again. I feel that black people need to make white people scared again to be, you know, outright racist. But the thing is, is that with the Democrats, I find them more dangerous than I do the Republicans, at least with the Republicans, you know what they're doing. Donald Trump tells you exactly what he's going to do, and he proceeds to do it. At least you know what to expect. With many of the Democrats, they'll smile in your face, but as soon as you leave the room, they totally disregard anything that they they promised you. They never intended on fulfilling those promises. It's about keeping the ruling class intact. Now, The way that I see this is you have, you know, a lot of these Democrats that are millionaires, multimillionaires, and as of late, they've been running to these billionaires, and the zillionaire class is on its way in. Jeff Bezos will be the first zillionaire, right? And what's happening is they don't realize that they've put themselves in a trick bag, because they're relying on these billionaires to, to finance their, you know, campaigns, but in return, because all of that is transactional, you know, these billionaires are expecting something in return. What they're doing is they're putting themselves in a position, whereas they won't even themselves be able to afford to run for office. And it's just a matter of time before, you know, they're thrown out of the room, thrown out of, not necessarily thrown out of the party, but we'll just say put out the pasture. And with the black community and black people, there's a lot coming our way, you know, and I've been saying for a while, I've been advising people to save their coins, you know, as much as they can, because we are in for a reckoning in this country and capitalism is on its last legs. It's in its last stages. And and the way that Donald Trump has fostered and cultivated Fear in this country, only to be followed up by you know the Democratic Party also selling fear. People out here don't know what to do. They're afraid. They know we don't have the power. It's not that these white nationalists and and alt right and and white supremacist groups, you know, are better than us. They're just more organized. But yet they do still have more firepower. And this is not going to be easy for the black community. You know, especially since we haven't recovered from 2007 and 2008, when 70 percent of the wealth was stolen from black and brown communities. We haven't been able to recover from that yet.
0: That is true. Um, we do. How, long, how much longer does you like looking in pain? How, how long do you think it's going to take us to truly recover from that, if it's even possible?
1: at this point i don't necessarily even believe that it's possible okay and we're going to have to build and grow as elaine brown from the black panther says she says build and grow and that's what we need to do and that's what we're going to have we're going to have to go back to the way it was whereas you know if one or two families on the block were in need it was the block's responsibility to make sure that Pookie and Ray Ray them ate as well, that Pookie and Ray Ray them got to class, got to school on time. And that, you know, if they were latchkey kids, you keep an eye on that house because, you know, the mama will be home in about an hour or two. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get the telephone number call all over there. What's going over there? You know, I'm going to bring you some food. You know, we have some extra so you don't have to turn on the stove, you know, and and we have to start doing that. We need to police our communities. You know, when I say police our communities, that's what I'm talking about as well. We used to give rent parties, you know, to make sure that people can pay their rent or pay their mortgages to keep us together. There was that adhesive that kept us as a community and we have to get back to that i believe in individualism but i also believe in collectivism because that is the only way we're going to get through this because with all of this individualism all they're going to do is pick us off one by one
0: say you can say that again matter of fact say that 115 times because that's (laughs) that i ain't heard any any more truth than that um yeah, yeah, okay. I feel that. I feel that. Is there anything left that you um want to talk about in in regards to that before we get into the very last topic?
1: Yes. So, okay. in regards to the presidential race right now, basically in my opinion, the Democrats have been throwing these elections, you know, basically calling blessing around these moderate candidates. And so right now, you know, they badly want Biden in. You know, I believe Bloomberg was their guy, Mm -hmm. but Elizabeth Warren single-handedly destroyed his campaign. And, you know, you have smart women like Elizabeth Warren who are being penalized for not only being a woman, but being a smart, competent one on top of that, right? So right now, I feel that black and brown people, if they wanted to, They can basically take the Democratic Party right now and do a stick them up right and hold them hostage. And what I mean by that is the Democratic Party is depending on black and brown people to go out there and to vote to get Joe Biden in. But I also don't think they give a damn if he wins or not, because, again, that's that white privilege. They benefit whether Biden is in or whether Trump is in. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that part of me, I do not want to vote for Biden. However, I do have a responsibility to working class, to, you know, the working poor and the middle class and poor black and brown people, poor people of color in this country. So I feel as though, and this is a total turnaround on my stance, you know, a couple of months ago, but I feel that it's my responsibility to look out for those communities so that, you know, not to make it worse than it's going to be you know, to try to be there. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for whoever they put. But if black and brown people really wanted to stick them up, we could because, you know, that's what's happening with the Sanders voters, which is one of the reasons why it seems as though Biden is, is trying to be polite, if you will, that polite politics, respectability politics thing going there that he's trying in his own way, at least publicly um work with bernie sanders not so much changing the democratic platform but you know the little niceties and platitudes right because without the sanders voters the democratic party will lose michigan wisconsin and pennsylvania and if they don't win michigan wisconsin and pennsylvania they lose the presidential seat so again you know and and you know, we, 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 people of color, we, real, many of us do not realize how much power we have. And 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 that's one of the issues that I have, and I've been saying this for decades, that we need our own lobbyists. We need our own agenda. We need our own political action committees to go out there and advocate specifically for Black people and that we missed a chance when Barack Obama was in office. But you had a lot of Black and Brown people I here talking about what he's not you know the president of just black people of black america he's president of all america but everybody else has an agenda Mm -hmm. everybody else has an agenda we need one too and that's why i'm advocating for third and fourth parties but we know that if a third party and a fourth party arises that the ruling class you know in in bipartisan ruling class right they're going to crush them so the way that i see it is that we need to do to the democratic party what the tea partiers did to the republicans they ran their candidates in local and state you know government offices got them elected they ran their candidates for federal you know political seats and got them you know got them elected and then they took over the republican party and here we go with trump and I believe that needs to happen with the Democratic Party as well.
0: Again, you just spoke. Uh, uh, you you came through to, to drop words today. I really appreciate it. Uh, but I agree with everything you said. I couldn't <laughs> say it any better myself. And I think um, the th- politics are one of those things that as I got older, I got more into it. But at, when you really start paying attention to it, it just makes you realize how the people that are supposed to be leading this country are really just pulling the wool over our eyes. Both parties, both. The, the, I don't believe in just a singular party anymore. I try to pay attention to the exactly. candidate, not the party, because I think by focusing all your hopes or your, your love into one party, you really limiting yourself and you're drinking the kool-aid you now you may drink the kool-aid from one democrat over a different democrat but you're still drinking the kool-aid if you just focus on the democratic party
1: and you're absolutely correct and see the thing is i don't watch a lot of television but especially not reality tv but someone was talking about this show that's you know current and basically on that show you'll have people singing and whatever they do and no one sees who it is so they disguise their voice they mask their face right i feel like we should do that with these politicians and not allow them to to identify as republican or democrat but mask them change their voices listen to what they say what they have to offer and then vote and that I believe that will give people a better chance to listen to the message or force them to listen to the message. But that's just me and one of my little black radical ideas mm-hmm. there. But I, I believe that would be effective. No, I
0: agree. I agree. And uh, the show you are talking about is mass singer. I don't, I don't watch it either. Cause I, I try to stay away from a lot of TV, but um, I do know. it. And that's a concept that I had never thought about, but I think that could benefit a lot, like to just almost get rid of democratic parties, get rid of faces, and just focus on the values or lack thereof, because it's more lack than actual values. And then <laughs> <laughs> the, right, let us right. figure, figure it. it out then, figure out then. <laughs> so I actually love that idea. Um, yeah, we'll see this, this, this next four years. And I, like you, I, I, I've been saying it for a while, like Trump is going to get reelected. And that's not meaning that I want him to get reelected, but it's going to happen. This, the, the Democrats have completely Self sabotaged themselves for the last year and a half, so it it, it the writing's been on the
1: wall, in my opinion. <laughs> Exactly. They self-sabotaged themselves with Hillary Clinton as well. Mm-hmm. The people want change. They're not listening to the people. And basically, this has happened once before in this country, whereas the moneyed people, you know, the ruling elite, took over and just took over the government and and, and, and basically tossed the people to the side. And the people rose up. hmm You know, and and I believe that it's getting to that point. But, you know, one of my little snarky comments that I put out there, but it's a lot of truth to it. But it seems as though many Americans will not get out in the street and protest until the price of a Big Mac is $20 and they can't afford to buy a Happy Meal for their kid. Mm. You know, and, and I know I know that sounds cynical. I know it sounds cynical, but there's more truth to that than not.
0: That is 110% fact And sometimes we we need to be cynical Um But uh, We have one more topic here Uh because I can talk about (laughs) politics All all day honestly And I, I really think I need to have an episode Where I just break down Why each uh presidential candidate doesn't really have well intents for the black community but that then i'll just be the angry black man so i won't i probably won't do that
1: um, but, <laughs> but let me tell you something uh-huh. let me tell you something you know i had a bunch of progressive white liberals get angry with me because i call them out on their racism and their hypocrisy right mm. and one called me an angry sock puppet and what was so interesting is you know they said that in front of you know quite a few black People, But one very specific black woman who's an academic, who's a feminist that knows better, said absolutely nothing because, you know, this person basically was calling me an angry black woman. Right. Mm-hmm. But they, they disguised it or, you know, as, as an angry sock puppet. And, you know, again, that's a stereotype. But see, this is the thing we have to let that go. And what I mean by that is when they call you angry, that's fine. That means that you're passionate that you're righteous, that you're out there and you're saying these things, but also letting them know that I am no longer afraid. I'm going to speak my truth, speak these truths. And as I say on my show, if what I'm talking about causes you discomfort and you're uncomfortable, then that I've done my job because that's what I'm supposed to do. That is what I'm supposed to do with my podcast. I want you to think about these things. You know, I had an incident most recently where as I had a white woman who was trying to compare her being raised as a poor white person and and say that it was comparable to being a Native American or a black person. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, and and, uh, she got very angry and pulled a Miss Millie. I was good to you people. And, you know, sending me text messages about how they were going to a Klan meeting and sending me text messages saying um, rope or gun. Rope or gun. And I'm like, is that a threat? So, you know, again, it, it causes them discomfort. It, it exposes that fragility. And and these are some of the main ones that are out right here that say that, well, I'm not racist. My friends aren't racist. Yeah, the hell you are. All white people are racist. You have to unlearn the racism. You have to deprogram yourself from these preconceived notions and biases that you have. And if you're not willing to put in the work, that's reflective of you. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. But what you won't do is say, my black friend, Kim approves this message. No, the hell I don't. You know, and one of the things I tried to explain was it's better that I correct you in private than for you to be somewhere and have a black or brown or red person there and they correct you publicly. Yeah. You know, at least I'm doing it with love, if you will. You know, and so it's it's just really interesting on how all of that comes out. You know, so yeah, man, it's a trip.
0: <laughs> yeah, people, people are a trip. But uh, speaking about trips, the last topic that we have is definitely a trip, and it's not. I don't. I don't know if we're gonna have a lot to say on it, but I I heard did hear one of your one of your recent episodes. Um, you talk about people taking your content and, and kind of regurgitating it in a different way. And then when you step away uh, and don't do it, they kind of run out of content. So I want to ask you this question. <laughs> just, just kind of end it and, and, and just have uh, some fun conversation about it. But how do you feel when somebody does reuse your topics of content and then does it poorly on top of that?
1: All right. So, <laughs> you know, when I'm talking about people taking my content, you have different people out there, you know, and I've heard them using some of my talking points in, in their talks. And, you know, one of the issues that I have with it with some people is the fact that they have no type of originality, no type of ingenuity. So, so what they do is they siphon and and off of what you have, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like leeches. Right. But what, you know, really gets me is if, there are some people out there that will troll you. And I know there's a couple of people out there trolling me with the topics because it's like they have nothing to talk about. I go on a nine-month vacation after we lost my mother. I didn't do a podcast for nine months. I had to heal because my mom and two of my aunts, we lost all three of them within the first 35 days of 2019. So we were shook. And I had to take that nine months off kind of get it back together and and so it was a thing but the thing is is that sometimes I'll go and listen to them try to how can I put it um reinterpret if you will, what I say, are or retranslate it or put their own little spin on it. And sometimes it angers me because, <laughs> you know, I talk about white supremacy. I talk, talk about a myriad of different topics. But when I hear someone, you know, basically trying to redefine white supremacy and white privilege, you know, in one particular case with one particular person, you know, what they do is, you know, they center their white partner's feelings. So when they talk about it, They're walking around on eggshells and they don't really want to talk about these things, but they put it in such a way to make their white family and friends feel more comfortable. So, you know, basically, you know, when I talk about the community and white supremacy and how, you know, we need reparations and topics alongside of that, this person will turn around and do the same topic, but come in with the Booker T. Washington type of perspective saying that black people need to bootstrap and all of that and so I become incensed behind that because it's like when I'm on hiatus you don't have anything to blog about you don't have anything to podcast about and then I show back up and all of a sudden everybody got something to talk about again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like redoing the topics I don't have a problem with that because I know I inspire some people so I I don't want them to misunderstand what I'm saying but I'm talking about specific people who wait for me to put information out there and then they go out there and teach it incorrectly yeah that, that pisses me off yeah. you know so. Yeah. Especially when, so that was just one example of it
0: yeah, especially like uh, the creatives that actually do put time in and planning out their content and coming out with the way that they that we deliver it and then to see somebody just reuse it in a terrible way it's like look you didn't even do the leg work like come on man come on <laughs> that's how i feel about it at least. but it's you know it, they say imitation is a form of flattery so i guess i gotta
1: take the good with the bad right yeah you gotta take the good with the bad but my thing is is that you know sometimes they will align their particular narrative so close to mine that there are some people that won't be able to differentiate between the two and so it causes some confusion with some folks and then some people will take part of my talking points and part of the other person's talking points and that's fine but then they come to me And I'm like, that is not what I said. (laughs) You know, I just would encourage people to do better. And again, we're not going to agree on everything. And there are some people out there that do believe in bootstrapping. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps while, you know, they want to be pro-black and have their little performative blackness. And, you know, I just got a whole bunch to add to that. But, yeah, when I hear somebody reuse topics, for the most part, it really does and Bother me, but when it's certain people and I know what they're doing, then yeah, you know I just sit there and I just shake my head and I just move on, and then I make snarky comments on the next podcast and <laughs> keep it moving. Well, there you go. <laughs> that, that's
0: how that's how you deal with it. Um, yeah, I, I I love it. That that's you you got you kind of got to take it just in stride because it's it's gonna happen, and you know it. it 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 fortunately it comes with the territory, um, and you got got to kind of just say prayers to those people who like you because I mean none of this content we we own, so I understand using it, but like when you don't have your own and you just wait for another podcaster or whoever else to do something so you can have content, it's just like look, you know. Bottom feeders, I guess.
1: But, exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: Exactly. Like, because I mean, you know, let's just say I, one of my podcasts that I did it says, "I am not your dot dot dot." So I put an ellipse there, right? Mm. And then you turn around and do a show the next week. I am not your Negro. Now, at least try to fool me, damn! You know. <laughs> 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 so that's why I think I'm being trolled, right? <laughs> and so. <laughs> You know, and I go off on my little Kanye rants, And then, you know, you've been silent for nine months because, you know, I was dealing with whatever and you didn't have anything to, you know, co-opt and appropriate. And then all of a sudden, after I get done going off at the beginning of my show on Kanye and Candace for a few episodes, then you take that and put together a whole episode, you know, calling Kanye out. I'm like, all right, I understand I understand, you know, sometimes your brain hurts. I get that. But, you know, in the same context, you know, you're still throwing jabs at me in between some of your comments. And so I guess what I don't understand is if you have an issue with me and an issue with some of the things that I'm saying, then why do you listen to my podcast and steal my topics?
0: (laughs) People are so weird. Humans are weird. That's that's all I can say today. Humans are just strange
1: creatures. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure it out because you know it's like you know <laughs> feel like I'm in a twilight zone and it's like what's really happening around here? Is this really happening? Shit. <laughs> people are are freaking
0: crazy man people are crazy oh man
1: oh yeah so it's 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 a trip but you know i encourage people you know i encourage them go out there If you got to use my talking points go ahead and use them it's it's all good you said about it and i put the information out there freely you know, and I don't post as much information as I used to because there were some people that were like, well, you know, you only post this. Well, I don't give a damn what Kim Kardashian is doing. Yeah, That does not interest me, you know, um, and, and I don't want to recapitulate you know, a lot of what's happening on the news, because I understand that the majority of it is propaganda. So I'm in back, I'm sitting back on my own doing research, trying to filter out my brain because I took some of the propaganda in. Why? Because some of it sounds really, really viable and feasible. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on that as well. But, you know, I'm putting in the work. And that's the thing. And so it's it's just really interesting. You know, I've had some people get upset with me because I don't do very many talks. And I also don't give very many interviews. And one of the reasons for that, as far as the talks are concerned, is because, you know, again, they'll invite you out. And then you walk in a room, and it's a room filled with white people. And in many cases, old white people. And personally, I feel as though these people have been around they help to craft some of the legislation and laws that that are out there and the policies that benefit them and their children. You know, the one good way to, to test some of your white liberal progressive moderate friends is they'll 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 okay, they'll say that they're with you, that they believe in you and what you're saying is right. You know, they may not like your method, right? But but you're right in what you're saying and they'll give you all of the anti-racist rhetoric that you know that they can muster that they've they've you know memorized right but at the same time they're voting on legislation and laws that will not allow your children to go to school with their children but they don't tell you about that and that's why I like to bring up what Martin Luther King Jr said in a letter from Birmingham when he talked specifically about white moderates and that's one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of love or trust for the Democratic Party either because it's true some of the very ones that you let in are the ones that turn around and end up destroying you and that was one of the issues with some of the latest social movements that were out there in particular with black lives matter you had a number Number of white people who got angry and upset with them because Black Lives Matter would not allow white people to center themselves. They would not allow them to take the microphone to talk to the media as though they can explain a white, I mean, a black person's plight and a black person's problems better than a black person can. But what's unfortunate with that is that the mainstream media is reflective of mainstream America. They're going to take the, 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 the white-splained version, if you will, because it's more palatable to white people. White people have been trained to not listen to or believe black people, which is why we're in the position that we're in now. You know, you have people like Tim Wise and, and other folks of that particular, you know, um, Group that are going out here and becoming multi millionaires and prospering from being anti racist, and in many cases, not giving anything back nor acknowledging the black women's work that they are capitalizing on. While many of these black women have died desperately. Institute have died because they didn't have health care that have died because you know they they couldn't have or maintain stable employment especially in academia you have so many black women that are adjunct professors so you got to move from one side of the country to another and hope that you can get on tenure track but while you're an adjunct you know they're paying you like three thousand dollars per class per semester mm-hmm. so if you get three classes that's nine thousand dollars per semester. Who can live on that? yeah, so you know when you when we go back and we look at that, some of them have you know link, you know, they apply for public aid and all of these things, and then you have you know these these folks out here saying, well, we don't understand you you're just a mooch no they're not a mooch they're not being paid and what i find scary about that is these are the people that are teaching you know this next generation that are teaching these you know up-and-coming academics and intellectuals but yet you're starving them out so you know and i can go on about that so sorry about that you're fine. You're
0: fine you're fine
1: um Well,
0: we gave them a lot to chew on, a lot to think about. Now, hopefully anyone who listens to this podcast walks away with, you know, wanting to know more, wanting to check out both of our platforms if they haven't already, if they're not familiar with you. But for those people who aren't, go ahead and give them your social media, uh, any parting words, any ideas that you want to have, but definitely leave them your social media.
1: Excellent. You can find my page on Facebook so, Facebook.com slash Black Free Thinkers. You spell it out B L A C K R E E T H I N K E R S. We also have People of Color Beyond Faith on Facebook. You can find my Twitter handle, Black Free Thinkers. I'm out there. Black Free Thinkers with an S. Cause there's one out there without the S Mm -hmm. that's not me. And so, so, um, you know, and, and, you know, we we're just out there, you know, you want to catch the podcast, you can catch us on iTunes, Google play, and I'm about to make some changes. So we'll be on Spotify soon. And, you know, more to come. I'm I'm going to launch another podcast this year, which is going to be interesting. It has a, you know, an interesting concept. And then I have a a webcast concept that I want to bring to life this year. you know, I've been sitting on it and well, working with it and thinking about it for the last few years, but it's been a little rough. But now I feel as though I'm in a position that I can move forward on these things. But, you know, parting words that I will have, basically, I would just tell people, you know, again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. I am here to challenge you to use critical thinking skills. I'm here to challenge you to think outside the box. I'm here to tell you that it's okay if If you're an angry sock puppet, it's it's okay. It's okay. If you're the only person in the room that, you know, that don't like fried chicken, it's okay. It's okay. Be you, be who you are. You know, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be wrong. You know, it's okay to learn. It's okay to evolve. You know, you have so many people that are scared to move, you know, and, and scared to expand beyond what Mama and them taught us and Mama and them, they led the way, you know, they led the way they, they set the foundation. And again, these older generations, they knew what they were dealing with. They knew what they endured and, and, you know, they may not have told a lot of the stories, but they went through some things. Listen to your parents, listen to your grandparents, great, great grandparents and, and honor them and and learn what you can from them because a lot of what we're dealing with today is because of what what happened yesterday And you need to understand that in order for us to build a better tomorrow for like your children and your grandchildren, for me, my nieces and nephews, children and their grandchildren to build a better tomorrow for that. But there are going to be some rough times. And during those times, don't lose hope, don't lose faith. And when I say faith, I'm not necessarily you know, speaking in religious terms. I'm just saying faith at the fact that it's, it's, it's a brighter day coming. It's a brighter day coming, but before we can get to those brighter, better days, we're going to have to go through some turbulence and some hard times, but we'll come through. Just stand strong
0: and i agree once again with you've left me speechless a few times on this episode but i agree with every last (laughs) word you just said and so uh signing off uh you guys know where you can follow me you can follow me at ceo hayes personally and you can follow the podcast at awaken soul pod or at the awaken soul podcast just depending on what platform you're looking for so on this has been another episode and we're out